my wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, a minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. And it's really wonderful to be able to come and share with you again. Uh, This week is a special week in the life of my church. Uh, This is a week that we call the week of prayer. This is a week of significant spiritual emphasis. Each year during this week, our church gathers together to share, to dig into the word, to pray. The theme that we've chosen for this year is actually a question. Now, what does it mean to be faithful in Christian lifestyle. We've had some fantastic time over at our Brighton Church. Each night a a group of people gathering together to pray and to share and uh, that's really been uh, an exciting time together. Today our co-host is uh, Helen Gray. Uh, uh, Helen is the lay pastoral leader of the Birdwood Adventist Church. Welcome to you, Helen. Thank you, Gary. It is a delight to be here and I just love your introduction. You do? Yes, you're enthusiastic, and I know you've got a love for the Lord. It's just beautiful. Thank you, Helen. I, I, I do appreciate that, actually. I do appreciate that. Now, tell me something, though. Just recently, you took a, a week a week off, and we weren't able to have you online because you went to present a health series in the Mount Gambier region of South Australia. Now, I want to have a big shout-out to all our friends down in Mount Gambier because I know that we've got some wonderful people listening very regularly to us in Mount Gambier, and it's fantastic to have those people with us. But Helen, tell us, how did it go? How did that series go? Okay, well, number one, I didn't take a week off. (laughs) We were very busy. Number two, Millicent and Narracourt and Mount Gambia were involved. So there was actually three churches that came together into that project. And number three, it went very well. We were saddened we could only have ten in the seminar room at a time. Uh, Um, But they all seemed to have a good time. I certainly did. So what was the seminar uh, you actually presented? Okay, it was a, a health seminar based on the acronym... Um, well, it was called New Start, but my question is: was what is the X factor of health? And the answer was based on the acronym on the word answer. Okay, yes. can you just uh, open that out just a little bit more well, for us? You know, answer. You've got A for air. You've got N for nutrition. You've got W for water. You've got E for exercise. You've got R for rest. Now that's five of them, but there mm-hmm. are eight. And so what we did, we, we combined the other three in our talks as well. And then we had a graduation. But I do have to tell you one thing that was a little bit funny, and they had not seen this before, which was good. And I got a block of wood and I said to them, okay, tonight we're dealing with exercise. I said, everybody's going to walk around that piece of wood twice. And they all did it. And they looked at me and said, I know I did it too. And I just picked up the thing. I said, well, congratulations. You've just walked around the block twice. <laughs> and one of the ladies actually rang a relative and said, I've just been for a walk around the block twice. And they could visualize where we were. And they said, did you? <laughs> it sounded Very really big blocks down yes, there at Mount very Gambia. big blocks. Yeah. But no, they were a lovely group. It was yeah. a delight to be there. Yeah, now, you've really got a passion for health ministry, haven't you, Helen? I have. I have. Uh, look, 
I'd love to sort of bounce something off you if I can, because just a day or two ago, I, I picked up a, an article that actually came from the uh, National Alliance of Mental Illness. This is in the uh, in America, and this particular article was entitled "Mental Health Benefits of Religion and Spirituality." What they were doing was linking together the um, religiosity of individuals. And their mental health. And these are some of the things that the article said. Both religion and spirituality can help a person tolerate stress by generating peace, purpose and forgiveness. But benefits vary between religion and spirituality. Of course, religion is what the corporate group of people do. Spirituality is what an individual Amen. actually uh, actually mm-hmm. does. The mental health benefits of religion. Religion gives people something to believe in. It provides a sense of structure and typically offers a group of people um, to connect over similar beliefs. These facets can have a large positive impact on mental health. Research suggests that religiosity reduces suicide rates, alcoholism and drug use. Yes. Here are, what's your what's your thinking on this? I mean, do we sometimes uh, overlook some of the uh, empirical data as far as mental health is concerned because mental health is a real issue today Absolutely. in our soci- in our society yeah. and yet by ignoring religion, are we actually overlooking one of the possible best remedies that we have in our society? I believe so, Gary. There has been enough research done to actually validate um, the benefits that comes from uh, between health and religion or spirituality mm-hmm. and um, even to the point of longevity, Okay. Yes, they've done some studies on that. And, um, yeah, I think it's a very, very important topic. We've run a few um, of seminars here in Adelaide over the years. Share with us the seminars you've on, actually run. And uh, Well, I haven't run them myself, but I have been involved in them. Mm-hmm. And they are about spirituality and health, mental okay. health. Okay. And, you see, we're, we're holistic people. Yeah. We we don't our parts aren't separate. Our head doesn't go off this way, and our body go off somewhere else, and mm. our spiritual somewhere else. No, we are holistic, and we need to deal with with each person holistically. Yeah. And um, what pleases me is it does reduce the suicide rates, and that is something that is very very big in our lifestyle these days, and depression. And, and it's just like they're belonging. They're belonging. They've got something to hang on to. Yeah, yeah. You know? And when I say hang on to, I really mean that because I remember even going through the earthquake in Papua New Guinea and I couldn't hang on to anything or anybody, mm. but I hung on to the Lord. Yeah. And that got me through. Whereas okay. other people who didn't have that in their life, they just gave up. Yeah, yeah. Well, one of the things that particularly jumps out at me here in this uh, article is it's talking about generating peace, purpose and forgiveness. You know, I'm so oh, conscious yes. that we've actually got so many people in our world who actually struggle with this thing called peace uh, because often forgiveness is not presented as part of the equation. Do you, do you think forgiveness is actually a legitimate part of the mental health equation? Absolutely, Gary, absolutely. In fact, we teach a course called Forgive to Live, 
And I mean it. Forgive to live. If you want to live and you want to live life abundantly, you need to learn how to forgive. Mm. It is so crucial. I have seen people that virtually unforgiveness has eaten them away. Yeah, you yeah. know, and, and that is actually held there for many years. Oh, in fact, absolutely, isn't it? absolutely, and there's no peace with that. Yeah. It's like you're taking continually taking a poison pill and hoping the other person's going to drop dead. Mm. But I've also seen the difference when someone has finally got to the point they can forgive, mm. and and just to see the peace that comes into their life. And they can yeah. pick up the pieces again yeah. and get moving. Yeah. They're not stuck on that chapter. Yeah, I, I love that. But you know, this word peace is so important because I know in my ministry the number of people that I've actually met who don't have this thing called peace. Yeah. And when you can actually present to them what the scriptures actually say, where it presents that, hey, this is what the problem is, but also this is what the solution is. Amen. I look at that and I simply say, hey, there's something here that I think our secular society is really overlooking. Yes, Absolutely. I think there's a lot of councils now, Gary, that are getting on board with this. They can see in their community um, the devastating effect yeah. that things, uh, you know, everyday life is having on people. And um, I know I've approached a couple of councils and they are very, very keen to have these sort of programs, yeah, you know, to yeah. help others. Yeah, I certainly acknowledge that because I know that there is a level of excitement whenever it's presented because the need yes. is actually so great in our Absolutely. community. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's look, Helen. Tell us though. This week, our discussion segment. We're going to be coming to this in just a moment. This is what my church is um, celebrating this week. This is our week of prayer. This is a week of spiritual emphasis. This is a this is a time when we gather together, we share, we talk, we study into the scriptures, and of course, we you know we, we spend time in in prayer, as the as the word would suggest. Now, Helen, have you does your church um, in the hills? Does that uh, share a, a week of prayer as well. Do you have that spiritual emphasis as well? We do, Gary, but we're a week behind. <laughs> You're a week behind? We're actually a week behind because the readings didn't arrive when we were about to start off. So they have elected that next week will be our week of prayer. Well, that's actually yeah. fantastic news, you know, because that means if there's any of our listeners who are actually living up in the Adelaide yes. Hills and anybody yes. who wanted to come along, yes. they could text me yes. here in the studio at 0438 66635 and the they would be able, and I can put them in touch with you, and Absolutely. they could join in that uh, that week. Absolutely, this is a fantastic, Absolutely. a fantastic. But uh, tell me something. Today we're looking at the example of Christ, and we're looking at Christ showing us, giving us the example of the way that we should live. You know, when you first accepted the Scriptures as your rule of life, were there any changes that you were convicted to make? In your lifestyle? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, my lifestyle was very secular. Okay. Even though I knew Jesus, I knew Jesus since I was a toddler. Um, I love Jesus. Mm. Absolutely. But somebody told me that God was like my dad, who was an abuser, and I thought, I don't want to know this God. Yeah. So when I started studying scripture and learned that Jesus, was my example mm. and that Jesus was showing me God, mm. that's for a start made a big, big, huge difference. Also, the fact of, of at least studying the Bible, 
I had never been taught to study the Bible. I mean, I was in a church where you, you listened to the pastor every week or the yeah. minister yeah. and you took his word. And uh, I've kind of grown up a little bit from that. And I've learned that just don't take the person's word from up the front. Always go and, and check yourself. But there were lifestyle changes, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them, of course, was in the health health um, line. And um, I'm I interested that you did actually share there that you, that you had to transfer our transition from having a, an abusive uh, background yes. as a child yes. to be, did you find that the Christian uh, principles were able to help you in that transition at all? I could only forgive through the power of Christ. So old, I, I mean, that be, must have been a journey to I get to, to that be point. Yes, and I've had other other things in my life as well where I've had to step back and. And God's taken me through it. And I tell you, there is none to compare, absolutely none to compare. The peace that comes into my life now, Gary, is just amazing. I've been through a a plane crash, and he kept me through that. And I Mm. felt it didn't matter whether I lived or died. Mm. He was there, you know. And to me, that makes a big, big difference. But my, my choice of music changed. You know, it wasn't, it was literally a transformation. Now, that's an interesting one, actually. Your choice of music change. Can you just exp- – I mean, what what music? I mean, uh, I mean, how did it change? I mean – You just want to know a bit more about me, I Gary. do, actually. <laughs> and, of course, the books that I read and everything. Um, I don't have time for a lot of trashy stuff. Mm. Um, I know a lot of people, a lot of women particularly, got stuck on Mills and Boons and things like that, yeah. the romantic novels. Um, that's not reality, yeah. It's not reality. And um, so, of course, that all changed. Music, well, yeah, I used to like everything from Bach to bagpipes and mm-hmm. everything in between. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Tom Jones was pretty good. <laughs> You're starting to show your your age now. Sorry about this. <laughs> thank you, Gary. Thank you. But, you know, I realized that our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And whatever we eat, whatever we drink, whatever we do should do bring honor and glory to the glory of God. The glory of God. Mm. So I don't want to waste my time on things that doesn't bring me closer to him. Mm. You know, and he is certainly the example for us to follow. The way he study the way he walked, study the way he talked, mm. study the way that he interacted with people. There is none to compare. With him, yeah. As as Christians, we're actually followers of Christ, which means what we're wanting to do is to delve into what were his teachings, but how did he act towards people? How did he share with his disciples? You know, there's so, and I I really appreciate what you shared there as well, because once again, this issue of the Holy Spirit is so important. And next week, we're actually going to spend the whole week next week actually digging into this whole subject of the Holy Spirit, because I know there are so many people who have got huge questions on this particular subject uh, but you know the thing I appreciated is that when the Holy Spirit uh, touches an individual uh, it seems that there are changes that imperceptibly happen it's not something that they have to uh, almost uh, well up enough energy to no, do no. but rather uh, the changes in their thinking processes actually occur but Gary it's not just in their thinking process that you will see the difference you will see the difference in people's faces I've seen people come along 
hardcore as far as you know the world is yeah, concerned yeah, yeah. i've seen them transformed by the love of christ yeah. i've seen the hardness go out of their faces yeah. i've seen the relaxed yes. um, state and it's beautiful they're almost yeah. shining yes. you know because their whole life has been transformed yeah, yeah. for the better I actually can uh, empathise with that because I certainly remember I have ministered to a couple of people who have been addicted to various uh, substances. Yes. And the change that's actually taken place, I know that we actually had one, one person who through prayer was able to deal with an addiction that you shouldn't be able to break yes. as easily as what he was able to break yes. that addiction. Yes. And uh, to me, that was that was powerful, and uh, yeah. certainly in my experience. But even even language changes. Mm. You know, I've noticed that. Now, I I've been privileged to teach a, a whole room of bikies. Mm. You know, and bikies are pretty notorious for, for some of their language and what have you. And I remember when I walked into this room, I had 15 bikies, tats, you know, leathers, the works. And I walked and I said, hi, my name's Helen. And I said, um, the strongest language in my class is oops. And, of course, it started from one side and went, oops, 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 all the way around. <laughs> but, you know, those guys were one of the best groups I ever taught. Yeah. You know, yeah. and they respected. And I believe that when you become a Christian and you give your life over to the Lord, he changes your even your, your mouth, your tongue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? That's so just, true. That's so true. Yeah. And this is what we're talking about this week. In our week of devotion, yes. our week of prayer together, uh, these are the things which we're studying into. It's actually mm. a really, a really an exciting week. I know, certainly in Absolutely. my church. But look, mm. let's come to some music. Uh, this is Jason Cork. I uh, love this hymn. This is one of the great songs of the Christian faith, "The Holy City." Love it. <laughs> Last night I lay sleeping There came a dream so fair I stood in old Jerusalem Beside the temple there I heard the children singing And ever as they sang Methought the voice of angels From heaven and answering Methought the voice of angels from heaven answering Jerusalem, Jerusalem, lift up your gates and sing, Hosanna. In the highest Hosanna to your King And then we thought my dream has changed Streets no longer rang Hushed were the glad hosannas The little children sang The sun grew dark with mystery The 
Morn was cold and chill As the shadow of a cross arose Upon a lonely hill As the shadow of a cross arose Upon a lonely hill Jerusalem, Jerusalem Beside the tideless sea The light of God was on the streets The gates were open wide And all who would might enter And no one was denied No need of moon or star by night or sun to shine by day it was the new Jerusalem that would not pass away it was the new Jerusalem that Uh, Jason Cork, The Holy City. What a powerful song of the Christian faith that is. That's one of those songs that I've got on my uh, on my little USB drive that I have in my car uh, with that song. There's about uh, four different renditions on it on the about 12 hours of uh, uh, music that I have there. And I, I love listening to Christian music as I go along. It's a, it's, it's a, wonder, it's a wonderful thing. Uh, folks, if you'd like a copy of an electronic copy of the devotion readings that we're working from this week uh, that deal with that question, what does it mean to be faithful in Christian lifestyle? Then if you text me at 0438 066635, that's uh, Pastor Gary here at the studio, 0438 066635. Just send me your name and your email address and I'll text you and I will email you 
an electronic copy of the devotional that we're working from. I believe you'll really appreciate uh, this particular series. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Our co-host today is Helen Gray, and Helen's the pastor, the lay pastoral leader of the Birdwood Adventist Church. This week we're looking at what does it mean to be faithful in Christian lifestyle. And today we're looking at the example of Christ, Helen. I find it this is this is really a wonderful a wonderful illustration of what a Christian lifestyle is really like. What are the most significant elements of those things which Christ taught us that we can pick up on? Okay, Gary, just before I say that, two things. Number one, in this electronic copy that you'll get, listener, is also a children's section. Oh yes, yes. I should have mentioned that. Yeah, and it's it's got some really great stories for the children, you know, living for our best friend Jesus. It's got pictures and everything. So yeah. I would thoroughly recommend it, you know, as a family if you've got little children. Yes. I know some people are actually using this for their family worship oh, for I a week. Oh, I love the children's you know? section. Do you want and me to tell you? It's, it's exactly right, you know. <laughs> yeah. And it's such a, such a wonderful yeah. little uh, resource to have yes. uh, so that you can uh, really present. You can be challenged yourself, but you can also share with your family. Yes, yeah. it's beautiful. I wanted to mention that. The other thing is, Gary, I do want to turn to Scripture. So before we do, would you just have a prayer for us before love we to, open the Bible? Thank you. Father in heaven, Lord, we come to you right now. We want to say thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for giving it to us. Uh, Lord, I just pray that you might descend on this place uh, by your Holy Spirit. As we open your word, uh, that you might touch and guide our minds in the study. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, let me just very quickly mention the um, actions, Jesus' actions. A person's actions actually reveal their character. And when you look at Jesus' life, number one, he ate with um, tax collectors and sinners for the, a start. Uh, actions actually speak louder than, than words, words, don't they? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> and when he did that, he showed an amazing compassion. Mm. He wasn't judgmental. Mm-hmm. He showed this compassion And you know he lived a life of total submission Of his will to his father mm-hmm. And I believe that was one of the keys That we can pick up from that You know in, in following Jesus' example And you know but, to me I think there Helen The really important thing Is that what Christ is doing Is something that even in his day Was not politically correct Because yes. in his day he actually was doing something that uh, the, uh, the the political correctness said that you don't associate with certain people. You don't associate mm-hmm. with, with lepers. You don't associate with, with, with women. You don't associate with – there were so many uh, portions of society where Christ actually said about political correctness, hey um, – I don't need to follow no. just simply what society is imposing on me. Yeah, yeah. I have seen so many people hurt by the way people have treated them. Yeah. You know, they're not lepers, but in their eyes they could well be, and yeah. that's so sad. You know, every one of Christ's deeds reflects his identity. And it was, you know, it depicted the way of life for us as we follow him, Gary. Mm. So all our deeds should actually reflect our identity, but in him. Okay. Does that make sense? Okay. 
That does. It, okay. it, it does. In other words, what we're being called on to be, um, we are models of Jesus Christ. You know, there was, you know, I think it's the Apostle Paul that talks about Christ in you, the hope of glory. In other words, if you like, scripturally, we are to function in a similar way to what Christ functioned on this earth. Absolutely right. In fact, Paul also said, for me to live is Christ. Yeah. You know, Christ within us, yeah. you know, and following his ways. But he gave a terrific sermon, um, Gary, which I'd like to share, um, which shows us how we should react and how we should behave. And it's called the Sermon on the Mount. Now, this is a really powerful little, well, it's not little, it goes on for about three, uh, three chapters. Yes. It's recorded in, in Matthew, what, five, six, and, and seven. But you know, some of the things Christ says in that sermon are really out there. Very much so. Very, very much so. I've actually had people say, oh, well, Christ actually misquoted scripture. And, um, I, and I say, why? And when I look at it, he enlarges on scripture. But you know, in, um, in the Sermon on the Mount, I'm particularly, you know, as you said, it goes over three chapters. It depicts the way of life that those that follow him mm. need to pay attention. And it would be, the life that we want to display, we want to be identified as Christians to the world. I, I, a statement comes into my head. If, if someone came up and accused you of being a Christian, Gary, would you be found guilty? It's actually a very good question, isn't it? Mm. Because it, it's, it's so easy in the contemporary world to classify myself as a Christian if I go to, to church maybe once a month, yes. uh, maybe Christmas and, and Easter. Whereas Christ, what Christ is doing is presenting some principles in his Sermon on the Mount Mm -hmm. that uh, provides to me an understanding that this Christianity thing is far bigger than just going to church once a week or Absolutely. you know once a month or however That's regularly. It's not a I'd, lifestyle, Gary. It's not a lifestyle. It's Christ lifestyle. is talking a lifestyle. I Absolutely. like that word, our lifestyle. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'd like to turn, if I may, to Matthew five twenty one and twenty two. Do you have that, Gary? Yeah, sure, sure. Let me let me read it to you. And and this gets this gets very radical. Uh, you have heard that it was said to those of old, "You shall not murder," and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. Now, that, of course, is one one of the one of the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother Raka, now of course that's a that's a word that means whoever speaks to his brother with contempt in his voice is a, is a more literal translation, shall be in danger of the council. Whoever says you fool will be in danger of hell fire. This this is really out there. Well it is. It is, because he's taken the word murder and he has actually said, well, hang on a minute, even if you're angry against someone, you know, in your heart, you could well have easily committed murder in in your heart. And, I mean, I've had people say, you know, oh, boy, you know, I'm so angry with that person, I could just kill them, you know, and then you question them later, oh, well, I didn't really mean that, but... They're angry enough. And, and Jesus is actually teaching about anger here. And he's affirming the importance of also living peacefully with others. If we go on a little bit further, you will see where, where he's saying, you know, if you, someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice at the altar, go and be reconciled 
to that person. Yeah, this word and reconciliation actually comes yes. up in a repetitious manner here. Christ is mm-hmm. actually expecting that the believer will actually take a decisive action yes. again, you know, to, 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 to work out issues that may be in their lives. Absolutely. And he also says, you know, if you've got an enemy, settle your differences. Mm. He also gives us counsel, you know, to don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Mm. You know, for a married couple, that is crucial. Yeah. That is so crucial, and I certainly would recommend that. You know, that's actually so important because I know that uh, I I get involved in – I've done a lot of of weddings, but before I do a wedding with someone, I actually have an expectation of them. I actually say to them, look, I want to sit down with you. And I want to spend five or six hours mm-hmm. uh, and I want to be able to just work through some issues concerning marriage. And yes. I, I don't know what's in their minds sometimes as to exactly what you know, a pastor can teach them about marriage. But, you know, some of the really key things, you know, we sit and we talk about things like uh, forgiveness, mm. about repentance, about, you know, uh, that, hey, this is this may not be a bed of roses. There are times when you're going to have to work things out. And, mm-hmm. you know, just being able to work through with a young couple and say, hey, look, you know, this this issue of marriage involves some, if it's going to work, some Christian principles that you need to incorporate into your relationship. Gary, that's a huge, huge topic. Oh, it, it is we absolutely. could actually deal with that on Q and A. You know, well, it's, well, actually, marriage, marriage in the family is one that is actually yes. going to be coming up because it, it's absolutely yes. vital. I mean, yes. in preparation for marriage, one of the biggest challenges that I'm so conscious of is that many people actually do go into marriage without having the necessary foundation uh, to be able to know how to resolve difficulties yes. once they uh, once they do arise. Yeah, conflict resolution. Yeah, absolutely. Let me say that Jesus actually does talk about a certain part of marriage, and that's adultery. He does. And, he does. And, and he's very explicit here. You know, he, he, he has virtually said that adultery takes place not only in the act itself, but he says also in the mind when lustful thoughts are entertained. Gary, just read for me, please. Yeah. Uh, Matthew five twenty-seven. Twenty-seven and, and onwards. Yeah. You've heard you. that it was said to those of old, "You shall not commit adultery." But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. You know, that to me is, in fact, to me. Let me keep reading because I think the what comes next is actually really challenging. Uh, What comes next is this. If your right hand causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. It's more profitable for you, one of your members to perish, and your whole body to be cast into hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you, for it's more profitable for you that one of your members perish than the whole body be cast into hell. You know, one of the things I'm really conscious of here, Helen, is that Christ is being the ultimate radical. I mean, what's he really saying? I've actually had, you know, young people say to me, look, you know, what is Christ saying? You know, if I sin with my eyes, does he expect me to take a gouge and, and gouge out my not. eye? You know, that's no. not what he's saying no. here. Mm-hmm. Does he expect me to take an, a tomahawk and, you know, off with my head? No, that's not what he's saying. What he's actually saying is, hey, I want you to take the most extreme action necessary to deal with this thing called sin. 
That's what he's actually yeah. saying he's here. He's speaking figuratively. He's speaking figuratively. Christ was the master of illustration yes. and of parable. And what we've got here is a, it's a figurative lesson where what Christ is attempting to do is to say, hey, look, you know, I want you to take the most extreme action necessary to deal with sin. Now, I'm really conscious that to some people, that may be, for example, it may mean that if they have a problem, I'm thinking, Pornography is huge today. Mm. Um, it may mean that hey, I might have to disconnect myself from the from the internet. Mm. You know, in other mm. words, take the most extreme action necessary. I may have to install software to make myself accountable. That's you know, right. there are there are there are steps. What Christ is saying here is, I want you to take the most extreme action necessary in order to resolve the issue of sin. Do you know? I don't know what uh, we're talking about uh, Christ uh, today, and we're talking about him uh, as being the example of Christian lifestyle. Some of his teachings here, I look at them and I say, wow, these are so radical. Yes, and he was radical. And so ought we to be. Gary, I was interested that you brought up um, about pornography because um, someone was sharing me for a marriage counseling um, a a a video that's on YouTube mm-hmm. and um, I've actually recommended it to people but I thought well this is silly I haven't even seen it I mm-hmm. was just going on someone else and how it's helped their marriages and I think it's called something like laughter in marriage mm-hmm. and he would be the best speaker I have ever heard he deals with the subject of pornography mm-hmm. he deals with the difference between the mind of men and the mind of women mm-hmm. and look if anybody is struggling in your marriage I certainly would recommend it so it's what was that? Just, that was entitled. I'm pretty sure it was called something like laughter in marriage, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just his whole approach. He is a minister. Mm-hmm. He is a minister, and his whole approach to it was, um, you know, it wasn't sleazy, it wasn't smutty, mm. but it was very common sense. Yeah, and yeah. Um, would help a lot of people, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. And that's what okay. Christ is dealing with here, isn't it? You know, yes. Christ is prepared to say, "Hey, this is one of the really tough issues in." His society, it's one of the really tough issues in our society. Yes. And Christ is here saying, oh, look, guys, um, this is how I want you to deal with it. Yes. I, I think this is powerful. The interesting thing is, Gary, that he deals with not just anger, not not just adultery or lust. He goes on to deal with divorce, uh, about vows, about revenge, loving our enemies. Hello. <laughs> That's a tough one. But that, we can. Yeah, he actually, he actually is, says, "Go the second mile." Yes. You know, is the is the illustration that he uses in that particular yes. passage. And you know, if your enemy, the Roman soldier, asks you to carry their gear for one mile, well, go and carry it two mile for them. You know, I mean, yes. I, how would you be if you're living in his society? Do you know none of this? Is politically correct. You know, I suggest to you that a person who functions as a uh, as a genuine Christian who walks as Jesus that is is probably going to have to cut across political correctness on more than one occasion. I couldn't agree with you more. And also, you know, it takes a boldness to do some of these things, um, yeah. Gary. And we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit next next week. And I believe it's the boldness that the Holy Spirit gives us yeah. and and leads us and guides us. But you know, Jesus didn't have all this negative. It sounds like we're talking about negative, negative, yeah, negative yeah, here. Yeah. But he also spoke about caring, 
caring for those people that are in need. In fact, Gary, can you read please for me Matthew 6, 1 to 4? 1 to 4. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, and do not let your right hand know what your left hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be done in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. So he is speaking about caring for those in need, as you've just just said, but not to do it so you want a grandiose. In other words, what is our motive? It's, I think that's crucial. It's really challenging, you know, when a person starts to talk about this issue of motive. Because, you know, there are many good things that people can, that I can do in my life, but I can actually do them for the wrong reason. Absolutely. And Jesus turns in this particular Mm -hmm. passage, and what he does is digs into even motives and says, hey, look, I want you to function as children. In fact, I love earlier in uh, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, what he, he says to his uh, disciples is, is this passage, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its favour, how shall it be seasoned? It's good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill and it cannot be hidden. You know, To me, as I read that, I sort of say, hey, uh, Christ is actually putting a very unique value on the individuals who are going to become part of his kingdom. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. I, and to me, this is actually so positive here. This this isn't all negative, but rather what he's wanting to do is to build up the believers as light, as salt. These followers, you see, as a person is blessed by the Holy Spirit, they have, as it were, uh, Jesus is actually living in them and starts to function in the same way and they start to function in the same way that Christ himself functioned. That's true, Gary. He mingled amongst people and I believe that's what he means when he talks about the salt. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want us to say stay in the salt shaker. He wants us to get out of the shaker and mingle with people. Mm. And I think while we're talking about that, when I say get out of the salt shaker, sometimes we become so inclusive when, is it exclusive I think I mean, when we're in a church group. Yeah. You know, and he doesn't want us to do that. But sometimes, I have to be honest, you know, people say, look, um, there are a bunch of hypocrites there. Mm. You know, they go out and next thing I hear they're, they're knifing somebody in the back and all the rest of it. Sadly, this does happen. Often it is difficult for us humanly to love others as as we're told to and and you know sometimes even our churches become a place of conflict and disunity and and it's damaged because it's not Christ centered i you, believe if christ is the center gary of our life of our church life i believe that we will all get to the point of loving one another and you know one of the some of the best stories that i i love in the new testament are stories where the church itself was actually facing issues of of conflict. You know, I think of uh, um, Acts, Acts chapter two. You actually had they all came together in 
in one accord. But in Acts chapter 15, what you find is the church has been in conflict over a particular issue mm-hmm. in, in the church. The church has to come together. They have to grapple with issues in a very decided way. But you know, the thing that to me is so beautiful is that even though there had been conflict, they're able to come together and they're able to resolve the conflict through a joint discussion, through, um, uh, through, through sharing together, conflict is able to be resolved. And, you know, to me, I'm so conscious that, you know, I know in, uh, certainly in my churches, uh, yeah, do we have human people? Yes, we do. Is the church pastor human? Yes, the church pastor is human. Uh, does, and do people make mistakes? Yes, they do make mistakes. You know, I'm conscious of all of that. But, you know, one of the things I'm so, be- uh, that to me is so beautiful about the scriptures is that we actually have uh, a God who's actually taught us how to live, how to forgive. Uh, how to how to reconcile uh, how to accept another person uh, how to not be discriminatory against them but to function within the boundaries of the scriptural worldview and we're going to come to that uh, in just a couple of weeks time as well mm-hmm. and you know to mm-hmm. me as I look at the scriptures I say hey uh, what we have got the scriptures deal with imperfect people in an imperfect world who are being challenged to work and to live in a in a different way. I That's I love true. I That's love true. what is actually in the scriptures. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. But the beautiful part about it all that Christ came as a human. Yeah. To yeah. show us how to live. Yes. And if we follow him and we we daily give our lives to him and put self aside I think one of the biggest problems we have is putting self aside. It, it is. You know, it is. And we need to allow for him to work in our life, to he- guide us and show us. Helen, at that point, let's just yeah. come to a song. I love, I love this particular song. This is Because He Lives and My Redeemer Lives. And this is one, again, one, I, I love being able to, to sit in this seat because I get to choose some of the songs. Uh, this, is, this is a song I, that I often sing along to in my car when nobody else is there. I can't sing, but hey, I, I love being able to praise our God when I'm in my, in my car. This is Anthem Lights, Because He Lives and My Redeemer Lives. Beautiful. Because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Because He lives, all fear is gone. Because I
That was Anthem Lights, Because He Lives and My Redeemer Lives. Uh, folks, if you would like to have an electronic copy of the devotional that we're working from this week that deals with this question, what does it mean to be faithful in Christian lifestyle, then please feel free to send your request, just your name and your email address, and I'll text it to you. Uh, I'll email it to you personally. That's 0438 635 I'd love to be able to send you an e-copy of these devotional readings. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time Big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Our co-host is Helen Gray, and Helen's the lay pastoral leader of the Birdwood Adventist Church. And this week we're looking at that question, what does it mean to be faithful in Christian lifestyle? And today we're looking at the wonderful example of Jesus Christ. I love this, Helen. I, so do I. This is something I, I could talk on about this for another two hours, actually. Mm-hmm. This is this is really... But bring it together for us. I'm t- conscious that our time is starting to run away from us. Is there anything else there that you think we should be aware of? Well, I think we influence people for good or bad mm. in everything that we say, everything we do, you know, even our tone, our body language. I remember once in um, uh, Melbourne, I went for some meetings and from the airport, there was two of us there, another minister, myself, and we called this taxi and he came and the driver was a Muslim. Mm-hmm. And he had his um, Koran sitting mm-hmm. there, well used, very mm-hmm. well used. And we got talking, the three of us, mm-hmm. and he asked us what religion we were. Mm-hmm. And I was down there for a, a um, meeting with the Seventh-day Adventist Church mm-hmm. down there, as so was my colleague. And um, and we said we were there, we were Seventh-day Adventists and what have you. And he actually laughed and he said to me um, something very similar to what the author of this week's um, readings are. Um, he said that yes, he knew about um, Seventh Day Adventists, and he said he was amazed that there were so many Adventists in his hometown. Mm-hmm. This actually happened mm-hmm. just a few years ago, mm-hmm. and he was explaining how you know in the village they were clean, they were neat, they were tidy, um, they didn't eat pork. And um, and he went on with a few things. They and he called it a synagogue, you know. But mm. we we go to mm-hmm. a church, and he said they go there regularly, and all these things he was saying, and it really did my heart good because to me that was a beautiful witness. Yeah, that's yeah. a beautiful witness, yeah. and I think this is something that we need to know first how to live by our actions more by than what we teach. Yeah, you in know, fact, I think that was one of the big comments of Mahatma Gandhi. Yes. Uh, Mahatma Gandhi said something very similar. He talked about the real importance. You know, I might even become a Christian myself, I think is the fabled statement, uh, because uh, uh, if, in fact, uh, the words of Christ were actually acted out mm. in, in the lives of his followers, and to me that's a huge challenge. Yes, he said he loved uh, Christ. Yes. But he didn't like the followers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's sad. But, you know, people need to know that we are walking the walk as well as talking the talk. Yeah, indeed. You know, I indeed. think that that is crucial. And, you know, the religion of Jesus is not simply about a set of intellectual assertions or a system of theology, Gary. It's a living truth that takes possession of the whole person. As I said before, we are holistic people. It's transformational truth that radically alters the way that we think, the way we speak, and the way that we act. And Christ is our pattern. In other words, you are actually 
not a Christian just simply because you go to church one no, day a week, no. whatever day a week no. that is that you go oh, to. That would be like putting a Volkswagen in your garage and saying, oh, when I get it out, it's going to be a Mercedes Benz. Mm. Oh, how mm. I wish. Mm. <laughs> but it doesn't happen that way, yeah. Gary, you know. And when I think about it, Christ is our pattern. He is perfect. He is holy. He is the best example that we could ever have to follow. But we can never equal the pattern. Let's face it, we can't. But we can imitate and resemble it according to our ability. Wow, wow. And tell me, Helen, if you were to sum up all that we've been saying, maybe in just one short passage of Scripture, what would you come to? I think I'd probably bring Paul comes to my mind where he said, I die daily, Mm -hmm. and Paul walked in the footsteps of Jesus. You know, he can... consistently walked as Christ walked. Yeah. You know, and I think if you wanted me to sum it up, I think I would have to use the term, we serve an incomparable Christ. Mm, mm. He can be compared to no one. To anything, nothing. One of the passages but he will help us. Yeah, yeah. I, I appreciate what you're saying there. You know, mm. one of the passages that really jumps out at me is actually Philippians uh, chapter uh, chapter two. I I love what Paul's actually saying in Philippians chapter two. Oh, I agree. And uh, mm-hmm. this is this is what he says, uh, and it goes from verse five. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. You know, to me, Helen, this passage really says something to me. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Gary, I'm going to interrupt here very quickly. Mm-hmm. In if you go back to the beginning of that, the attitude of Christ, it is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish, don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. Mm. You must have the same attitude that Christ had. What a beautiful, beautiful picture that's actually being painted there. Folks, let's pray together. Father in heaven, Lord, we come to you right now. Lord, I want to say thank you for giving us the gift of your son. Thank you for giving us Jesus Christ. Lord, I want to say thank you for giving us the gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Lord, thank you that indeed that when he dwells in us, amazing changes take place. Lord, thank you so much for giving us the scriptures to show us the way, a a guidebook that can show us the way home. Uh, Lord, I just pray that you'd be uh, with each of our listeners today. Lord, if there's anybody who's struggling right now, uh, Lord, I just want to pray that you'd be with that person. Lord, if they're struggling, maybe with some relationship issue. Uh, Lord, maybe if it's with some um, some marriage uh, matter. Uh, Lord, if there's some health issue there, Lord, I just pray that you might put your hand upon them. Lord, if there's something they need to do uh, in order to uh, reconcile with a friend, a brother, uh, or a partner, Lord, I pray that you'd convict them by your spirit at this time. Lord, I pray that you might be the mighty one to move, that you might touch, you can guide, because, Lord, I'm conscious that you are God and you can do these things. Lord, uh, thank you for the example of Jesus Christ 
And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, folks, it, uh, it does look like our time is up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Helen Gray on Drive Time Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when the Drive Time team look at the Bible, Christian lifestyle, and the media. This is a big one. Really look forward to seeing you then. But until then, please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you. Please enjoy uh, Eddie Espinona. Uh, change my heart, O oh God. Change my heart, O oh God. Make it ever true. Change my heart, O oh Make it ever true